I'm Duncan Hilton. This is the Religious Life Podcast. What do you learn about religious life when you talk to neighboring Christians outside your usual social network? Early on the morning of Good Friday, I drove to a nearby state park to go for a run. I was accompanied by my toddler son in his stroller. After the run, as I was putting my son back in his car seat, I overheard four tree guys talking outside their truck parked next to my Subaru. They were oiling their chainsaws, putting on their chaps, and debating whether baptism was necessary for salvation. I'm an introvert and not prone to interrupting strangers' conversations. However, it's rare in Vermont to overhear anyone talk about baptism, let alone outside their pickup truck. And maybe Holy Week had me more willing to reach out to fellow Christians. So I interrupted them, introduced myself as a priest, and asked if I could join the conversation. I don't remember the details of what we discussed, but I know that it ended with handshakes. The moment made me aware that I need to expand whom I speak to on this podcast about the meaning of religious life. I value the perspective of religious professionals, clergy, academics, monks, and nuns, but I also need to speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ who are religious non-professionally. They have just as much at stake in living faithfully into their baptism vows. And as I learned from talking with them, they know a lot of things I don't like how to pray up in a tree or across a store counter. Given that I'm called to live in the Connecticut River Valley, I just moved to New Hampshire last week from Vermont. And that local adaptation is an important tenet in Anglican spirituality. It struck me as especially important to talk to such folks who live in the same geographical corner of the world as I do, but inhabit different social worlds. So I'm releasing two episodes together. I spoke with one of the self-described tree guys whom I met that Good Friday, Josh Plausteiner. He's a father, husband, Roman Catholic, boxing coach, and Latin student. I also spoke with Susan Nichols, a mother, grandmother, Episcopalian, small business manager, biker or motorcyclist, and gay woman. With each of them, I talk about their call to follow Jesus and their understanding of what it means to be faithful to their baptism vows. Much has been written about the political silos in which most Americans live. However, as Christians in baptism, we are family, regardless of which silo we inhabit. So I hope that these conversations provoke new thoughts about your own calling, about your faith, and maybe even encourage you to reach out to someone who's both a sibling in Christ and outside your network. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I did talking and making this podcast. Welcome to the show, Susan Nichols. Um, please open us in prayer. Thank you, Duncan. I have a prayer from, from Thomas Merton. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. 
but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will fear not, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. Amen. Well, Susan, it's a, um, a delight to have you on the show. Um, we, we share two things in common. One, we've, um, you worshiped at St. Michael's in Brattleboro, where I was an assistant priest, and you also worked at the, um, at the Rossonville Market, which is a, a store and gas station down the um, road from where I live. So I've always, um, I, uh, and I officiated your, your wedding. So I guess that's the third thing. I shouldn't leave yeah. that out. It, it comes from the, the first thing, but um, I so value you and your, um, both as a, some, as someone who knows your Christian faith, but also um, for your perspective on the local community in Southern Vermont. But maybe we can just begin with your sort of faith story. Tell me a little bit about um, where you where you grew up and um, your sort of experience of faith as a young person. Uh, I was born and raised in Lebanon, New Hampshire, mm -hmm. and uh, as a child, I, my sister, she's eight years older than me. She, um, she would go to church, but I was never into going or my parents didn't take me. My sister just went on her own. So I really wasn't raised in any type of real religion or faith. Um, I grew up in a pretty hectic household. Mm -hmm. So um, when I got into my teens, both my parents, um, they were alcoholics. So I kind of just followed the crowd and did my own thing. And I didn't really think much about God or Jesus or any of that. I was basically trying to survive as a kid mm -hmm. the best that I could. And then I um, went into foster care when I was mm -hmm. like 15, 14, 15. And my foster family was um, religious and went to went to church every Sunday. And so I did also. And I enjoyed that experience. And it gave me an outlet to talk to God or Jesus mm -hmm. and kind of help me a little bit understand uh, where I was going with my faith and my religion. And then I kind of drifted off. It was like ebb and flows throughout my life. And then mm -hmm. in my 30s, um, when I met Darcy, I, my partner, my wife, I uh, really was more faith-based. And mm -hmm. that's when I started going to church on a regular basis. And I really wanted to prior to that, but I was always a little nervous because I'm gay. and. I always felt uncomfortable going to church and I didn't feel welcome. 
Mm -hmm. A lot of the churches that I went to, I tried different faith communities, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so after I met Darcy and we started to church hop around the area in Brattleboro area and that Southern Vermont community, one day we went by St. Michael's and saw the flag out there and thought, well, we should stop there. So we did. And that, we went to church ever since at that mm. church and I loved it and they were welcoming and mm. so I uh my journey with uh Jesus and and God I I have a lot of like I don't know there are times where I'm angry because I've lost dear ones and then there are times where I just love Jesus for saving me so many times and I mean, I, there are countless times that I can actually look back and be like, oh, that was God that saved my life. Mm. That was Jesus that helped me through this. And can you can you tell me about one of the maybe the first time you sense that that Jesus? Yeah. Saved you? Um, well, this this is a uh, one time I was traveling and I was on a bus going from. Mexico, trying to get from, actually I was leaving Mexico and went to Texas and then from Texas to Virginia. And I was sitting on the bus and it was during the Rodney King incident where that took place. And there were a lot of people on the bus of, um, that were black. And I was feeling really scared because I was basically the only white person on the bus and they were pretty angry people and I totally understand why but there was a gentleman that was that came up behind me on the bus and I was sitting looking out the window and I saw his shadow on the window as he was coming up behind me to put a, a wire around my neck to strangle me oh, wow. and for some reason Jesus or God helped me stand up, turn around and look the guy straight in the eye and say, I wouldn't do that if I were you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my goodness. And I, and I, there's, I, I would have never had the strength to do that on my own thinking like, oh God, you know, I yeah. fully believe Jesus saved me on that. And he didn't, he kind of went back to the bus and <laughs> made it to our stop. And, you know, um, there's other times where well, this is a silly one. You know, one time I was sleeping in bed and I heard a voice when I was sleeping and the voice said to me, you have a tick on your left shoulder. Huh. Okay. Like I'm going to wake up. And so I wake up Darcy and I'm like, um, can you see if there's a tick on my left shoulder? He's like, yes, there is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh <my goodness>. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know, Jesus woke me up and told me how oh, you have a tick on your shoulder. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, there it's... are other times, you know, doing stupid stuff, drinking and driving when I was younger, you know, and mm. getting home and wondering how I actually got there because I was totally drunk. And I know, you know, Jesus took the wheel, you know. Yeah. Off. Just things that, I mean... I don't know. I just feel like Jesus has always been with me. I just, 
took me a long time to mm. like, feel it and understand it in my in my heart and how do you feel like being um in foster care like shaped your because it, it sounds like church was a really positive experience and i can also only imagine you must have been like upset with god too for all the chaos in your family or maybe i'm just imagining but no it was very um my childhood was a <laughs> was a disaster you know between my parents and um other stuff that went on from neighboring people you know sexual abuse and stuff like that um so when i was in foster care i was still apprehensive about people and not very trusting but when i went to church um i don't know there's a, a calmness that that it brought to me and and uh they they were just really great family you know they mm. They, um, they made me feel really good and feel welcomed. And you kind of lost your question there, Duncan. Mm. What was the question about? The question was just about, um, I guess, talking to God. You know, I remember you saying you prayed and what that was like when you were in foster care. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. I, uh, well, I was happy to be able to have a family, you know, mm. for somebody to love me and, Mm. really what I was looking for was love from whomever you know yeah and they loved me and they took care of me mm. in my first foster family mm. well first permanent foster family yeah. um yeah going to the second foster I went to another foster family and um it was a different like the first one we went to Lutheran church and then the second one we went to the Methodist church mm. and wasn't a whole lot of difference for me. I didn't, I personally didn't notice a big difference, but um, it's still, for me, it didn't really matter which church I went to because I was still praying to the same God, you know? Yeah. So it didn't phase me that it was a different religion. Yeah. I, I hear how like um, it was sort of hard to go to church as a gay woman. And I um, it, there's obviously been so much controversy in the church over the last 20 or 30 years about how to welcome um, gay and lesbian and transgender folks and, and others. And I'm, um, yeah, I, I guess as a, as a priest and someone who, you know, leads parishes and or has led and will lead um although not at the moment um just what your yeah what your thoughts are about like what made it welcoming and like how to um yeah i guess for for you what um what your sort of wisdom is about that and like um healthy good leadership in that realm um well for me i think the most welcome one was at st michael's in brattleboro where there was such community base there there was um other people there that were also gay or who identified as non-binary or you know and 
So it made it a little easier to be able to talk to those people. Um, but even the people that were not gay or I, who, I, who did not identify as gay or queer or whatever, they were just very open and honest with you. And they came forward and spoke right away, like, oh, welcome to the church. And so that made it feel less anxiety provoking. You know? mm. Oh, yeah, I can actually come here and sit down and not everybody's staring at me or, or I don't feel like everybody's staring at me because I'm different or not that they would know I was at first, but unless I said something. But um, I don't know, it just was even um, Mary, the rector, she was very open and um, just very loving. And mm. So it's, I don't know, it's, it was just totally different there for me, as mm. my, for my experience of feeling comfortable with, and it might have just been that I was more comfortable with myself at that mm. age also, because I was older, you know, so, mm. but I don't know, I mean, I did go to the Catholic church a few times and it just felt like there were too many rules. Like, Oh, you can't take communion if you're, <laughs> if you're not Catholic. And I was like, what, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Hmm. Well, as I, I mentioned at the top, one of the um, things that I really value is um I feel like you have a perspective on the community I live in that I don't have just from um, from working at the the market down the, the road where I've gone as a customer. I um, and one of the most meaningful things I did as a priest was a house blessing um, connected to one of your um, I guess the the young man who worked with you and his family. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that like the real at least in this particular corner of Wyndham County, I feel there's like a real division between people who live um, year round and people who live, um, you know, who have second homes and ski homes and, you know, your market was right at the base of the ski mountain there. Um, so I feel like it, you lived, like you had to have a foot in both of those worlds in some ways. Um, I'm wondering what like your perspective is on that, um, yeah, what I guess working that job, like kind of what you learned about this community. Well, yeah, I um, met so many different uh, people, different um, living arrangements, different backgrounds, people that had all kinds of money, people that didn't have any money, you know, mm. that um, different ideas of you know, political or just, um, you know, just everywhere <laughs> across the board. So I, I kind of took everybody, whenever I met any of the customers, um, I treat everybody the same. Mm -hmm. They all were a person that Jesus loves. And mm -hmm. I didn't think of them as rich or poor or you know, black or white or whatever, they were just people to me and, and not, not meaning just people, but they were people that I 
just loved because they would come in and I felt like, you know, they were family after a while when they'd come back and they'd be like, oh, you're still here. Or they go away for the winter, you know, and then mm. come back in the spring. Oh, it's so good to see you. And I actually went down there two weekends ago for um, a friend of mine who passed away, but I stopped in the store and right away, one of my employees came to me and she was like, well, I just had a guy in here the other day asking about you because he had gone away for the winter and came back in the spring. And he was, um, but you know, the, the people, they, I never judged them on any of the things that they had different viewpoints than I did, or I still loved them. You know, they, mm. some of them were gun carrying people and I'm not into that kind of thing. And I said, you know, that's your thing. And I respect what your, your decisions are on it. And I hope you respect mine. And, and we did. And I, and I have, you know, friends on Facebook who have different viewpoints on different things. And um, mm. we just respect each other's viewpoints and, I just move forward with it and I don't mm. try to harp on those things because it's, you know, it's not my place to judge them. Mm. I just, oh, I really just care about people in general. Mm. And that's what made it so easy for me to just get along with everybody. Because <laughs> mm. mm. I didn't think about all the other things around the, that. In people's lives that go on mm. all the time how there's um so much talk these days about like addiction and the opioid crisis and that's um one of my favorite theologians talks about like how important it is to have a, a theology that can give um hope you know and in, in speak into the sort of despair of that i'm wondering how you like how you saw that play out or if you saw it play out i saw it play out quite a bit i lost uh several young customers to the opioid crisis in that area and um i just that's a hard one you know you can't being in the the type of work that i was in i couldn't really talk religion to, mm. to people too much but I didn't make it a secret that I, that I wasn't religious either. I would say things that like, you know, oh, I go to church on Sundays or, you know, or not just on Sundays, I do these Bible studies or I, I'm in this, you know, group that the discipleship group or whatever. And yeah. um, I would talk about those things and people that, um, that came in the store that I knew were using drugs it was really hard to see the the change go, you know, them changing, going from this bubbly person mm. down to this person who just wanted to get, like come in and get a candy bar or something, but they didn't have any money or they didn't have the right amount of money. And I was like, oh, I'll just pay for it. You know, just mm. go ahead and get that. And, mm. um, but I don't know. I always pray for a lot of people and a lot of those people were in my prayers and mm. um, hoping that they 
would be able to find Jesus before they ruined their lives too much more, but unfortunately some of them didn't make it. And um, I don't know, it's it's hard to to deal with. I can't yeah. imagine being a parent and having somebody having your child in that situation. Hmm. I don't know. Well that um just speaking of being a parent, I know you have you have two sons and um, a number of grandchildren. And um, I I was struck earlier when you were talking just like about the the chaos of your childhood, like you've somehow been able to like create a lot of stability for your own and love in your own family. And I'm sure there are complications just like in every family, but um, how how did you pull that off? Like how, um, oh. <laughs> what, what a miracle um, and what a gift. And so I guess I'm just wondering, you could speak what it was like for you to be a parent, you know, not having grown up in a stable family. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I, I recently had a conversation with one of my sons about that recently. So it's mm -hmm. funny that you asked. Um, so not being a perfect parent or um, you know, when I was, I had married my husband and we met when I was in the Navy and, um, I had, we had the boys and I was still struggling with my identity and I knew I was gay. Um, and so I ended up getting mixed up in drugs myself and, uh, so I was so grateful that my husband at the time was there for my kids because I don't know what, you know, how they would have survived me being on drugs and mm -hmm. just not making good choices. And um, so one day I woke up and I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to do this no more. And I quit doing drugs, cold mm -hmm. turkey. And I got back on track with my kids. And um, they, I didn't, we didn't really go to church. My, my husband was Catholic. And like I said before, I didn't really care to go to the Catholic church. And so he would go. Um, and once in a while, he'd take the kids. But they weren't, my children haven't really grown up in a faith family either, or religious mm -hmm. background or any of that. Um, but one of my sons, um, he's, he doesn't really like God because his dad passed away when he was young. But my other son, he comes to church with us now and him and his wife and my two granddaughters. And I think that for them, like, I, I don't know, they, I think they can obviously see the change that has taken place over the last 20 years with me, you know, getting off drugs, finding my religion, feeling comfortable with myself. Um, and I would, I, I, 
when I talked to my son the other day about it, he's like, I thought I had a pretty good childhood, you know, and because and I'm apologizing for all the stupid stuff that I did when they were younger. And he's like, oh, we had fun. We used to go everywhere. You'd throw us in the car and we'd go to Weir's Beach or go wherever, you know, and he's like, I don't really see it as being an awful childhood. Mm. So, and I think part of that was because they also had their dad for stability, you know. Mm. And, um, but I feel like, they, their faith, well, one of my son's faith is, is increasing now than mm. it was when I was, when they were younger, you know, they're in their thirties now, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as a young parent, I can only begin to imagine just, that must have been so powerful to hear your son. So yeah. Sit. Yeah. Man, what a gap. Well, and what an amazing thing you just woke up one day and you're like I'm not doing this yeah I was like what am I doing what am I doing to myself to my kids to yeah to this family you know already but I I mean aside from the drug aspect of it it was really hard being a parent because I was a single parent for a long time because my husband died you know and um so it was just me and the kids And I always felt like I had to give them all these things or do all this stuff for them because I was trying to make up for a loss that they had. So um, I felt like I was like on this roller coaster a lot where I was one minute, I'd be like, yay, we can do this and do that. And then I was like depressed, you know? So Mm -hmm. they had to deal with that aspect of me too, being depressed a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like they had, I feel like they had a tough childhood, but they, they, they've aspired really well for themselves. You know, one's works at UVM in the pharmacy and the other is a physics researcher for a government company, you know, Mm. they've done really well for themselves and they've hung in there and they've done really, (laughs) done really well. Mm. And we do have another grandchild on the way. So that will make six. (laughs) <laughs> wow what a, that's amazing congratulations thank you well i'm um i want to just turn to um thinking about baptism a little bit that may sound abstract but um you know as i shared with you and i think the listeners will know like the um part of the intention behind this podcast is this my own hearing this voice from god that i'm called the religious life and um you know the traditional Catholic interpretation that would be um, being called to be a monk or nun. And I've lived at a monastery and I, that's, you know, I, I love the sort of disciplined prayer life. That's part of being an Episcopalian in some ways. Um, And obviously now I'm married and with a wife and child and another son on the way soon. Um, So that, uh, that ship has sailed. um, And but I had this friend who said um, he was exploring being a monk and he lived at Catholic monasteries and Zen monasteries. And um, he's now an Episcopal priest, but he told me this story about how um, he, he asked one of the monks, like he was sharing how intense like his devotion was and he wanted to be in the most rigorous community. And the, the monk is like, well, there's one, um, there's one community and like one set of vows you can take. And he's like, it's called baptism. Um, and, uh, 
don't know, something went off in me, just like, what if I don't need to do anything more extreme? Just, um, I was about to say take more seriously, but as someone who can be too serious, I think part of it's actually like letting go and having more fun um, is part of being a more serious Christian for me. But I'd love to just hear how you sort of, um, you know, your your spiritual life and how that looks at this moment. So one of the, um, you know, the baptism vows for us Episcopalian, um, one um, is about resisting evil and repenting of sin. Um, and I, so I'm, I'm curious to hear just how you think about evil and sin. I um, think about it in lots of different ways, but um, I, um, I, I guess that definition of sin is separation makes sense a lot to me. I, I feel like there's so many ways, just the ways our houses are constructed, our, um, like the geography of our lives, um, all the technology doesn't necessarily keep us from connecting with one another. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just going back to this community too, I, I feel like, um, there's just the whole issue around like, housing and how difficult it is for people to like put down roots in this corner of the world without a lot of money. And the people who do have the money tend to live in multiple places and are pretty rootless. So there's, um, you know, and then the, the personal things for me, it's, you know, over scheduling and beating myself up. But um, yeah, I'm curious, like where you, you know, what your sense is of sin and salvation, both in yourself and sort of in the in the community here? Well, um, I feel like for me, sin is, um, there's a lot of, everybody sins, right? You don't even, sometimes mm -hmm. you don't even realize that you're sinning, you know, and you, mm -hmm. it's, uh, it, I feel like I, uh, Sometimes I think evil things in, in my own mm. mind without even realizing it. I'll be like, oh, I can't stand when that person does that. Or I can't, I can't stand that person, right? Because mm. of this reason or that reason. And then I stop and I'm like, oh, that's sin. <laughs> Technically, that's sin, you know? I'm supposed to love thy neighbor. Um, but I try to treat everybody the way I want to be treated. And... Mm -hmm. um, so then I try to think of it that way, like, uh, if I can only just put myself in their shoes and, and, and ask for forgiveness for the way I, I think of what they're, the way they treat, the way I'm feeling about the way they're treating me, or they're probably not even doing it on purpose, but mm. feeling like they are. And um, just asking for forgiveness. Mm. And, um, not just going to church on Sundays, but praying throughout the week and, you know, doing Compline and doing things like that for, for, um, helps me with my salvation. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that, that area of, in Southern Vermont there where you're at now, uh, it is hard to, to try and, and get 
roots down in that area. I don't even, I don't know, like because of it's like a tourist area, it's very expensive to live there. And um, people, I don't know, I feel like there's like this, there's not an equal level playing ground for everybody there. It's like either mm -hmm. you're up here or you're down here. And I don't, I don't always kind of connect with, I feel like a lot of people don't connect because I hear a lot of, when I was working there, I hear a lot of trash talk about, you know, different sectors. <laughs> yeah. And, and I can't imagine that uh, that feels very good when you, when you live there year round, you know? Yeah. I don't really, um, so I feel like there's a, that part of that evil part of it in a sense, but um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like for me, evil is when you, you know, you're doing something wrong and you really shouldn't be doing it, you know? Mm. So that's what, how I look at evil. Mm. And there, there's a, there are a lot of evil people out there and they mm. say awful things and sometimes people don't even realize that they're saying things that you know the thing too right when I was growing up my um my grandfather was racist and mm. like I feel like a lot of his comments are still stuck in my head like those types mm. of things like you know and so I always feel bad about that too like mm. have to catch myself a lot because I like they're instilled in my brain. Oh, say this thing. We always said this thing, you know, without thinking about it. Yeah. One of the things, um, yeah, I really, you know, I'm thinking about a religious life and I, I think a lot about money and how like little it's talked about in church. And it's, you know, my dad was a, a doctor. My mom was a librarian. So I, I've had enough most of my life I haven't had to worry about putting food on the table at any point or um you know if I'd have a place to sleep all that said I, I found I, I um sometimes I'm jealous of my catholic friends because I feel like th that church has a clear teaching about money I don't think that's necessarily true <laughs> um but I at least think it's true in my mind um and I know you know some people tithe and that's one of the church's teachings and Others are, um, you know, I have some Catholic friends who really don't own much. They're a married couple and they've got kids, but they're trying to live sort of a monastic lifestyle and they just try and own as little as possible. Um, I try and just, I think, I think about it in terms of discernment and listening for the spirit and my soul and sort of just, you know, on a case by case basis, how I spend my money but I'm curious how you like what your thoughts are about your spirituality and your financial life and how you've made a connection between the two um so for me uh well I've always felt like I've been kind of middle class and um but right now I'm not working so um I feel like I give to the church, not only monetary um, donations, but I also 
volunteer and do different things for the church. <clears throat> um, so I feel like it isn't always just a dollar value that mm. to, to donate, but um, I definitely try to give <clears throat> more than 10% if I can at mm. times. Um, but right now it's less than 10%. And, mm. But I still do monetary value. And the church needs our help, not mm. just, you know, they they have bills also that they got to pay. So I feel like I want to be able to help contribute to that and keep the church open, not just for um, Sunday worships, but also for other activities that might go on at the church, you know, for hopefully some dinners or things like that mm -hmm. and um, volunteer to do those types of things. And so it's always important to, for me to be able to, to tithe or to give something to the church mm -hmm. to help. Um, but it also helps me because then I feel good about um, given and being able to, whether the money goes directly to the church or it goes to outreach or helps the community or whatever. Um, I feel like if I can't get out there and do something to help the community and the church is able to that mm. help and donate money to that is, is great, mm. a great way for me to be able to help other people. Mm. I um I'm just looking at some of the other um baptism vows um continuing in the apostles teaching and fellowship um I when you like think back over the course of your you know decades as a a Christian what like what have been some of the most meaningful moments um I wonder just in terms of like where the the presence of Jesus in the community is felt most alive. Um, well, I mean, mostly for me, it was a lot of it happened through St. Michael's and we had a lot of community outreach and um like doing stuff for the for the dog for the humane society or doing stuff for the um uh the the homeless shelter or you know mm. those types of things were were fun for me to go and 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 do and and help with um but I don't know, but even just having the tag sale for the, at the church where you get the community to come to the church and see people that um, who don't necessarily go to church, but they're there mm. and they're lined up around the block sometimes to come, come in the front door um, and just to be able to talk to them. And, 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 they're, and they're also just fun. They laugh and have a good time and and they know that they're at a church they're on church grounds and they, mm -hmm. and they 
I don't know. I feel like sometimes people act a little different when they're, you know, around <laughs> religious people or whatever. If they know that you are, I feel like they're a little more mellow or something at times. You know, like, <laughs> I've always felt that experience for myself anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, tell me about motorcycles and um, <laughs> and like what you, I, I just what you love about. Oh, the motorcycle that's like therapy for me you know oh, uh so so free and i can get on my motorcycle and not have to think about anything just mm. other than being aware of my surroundings and what's going on around me while i'm riding my bike but um it, it helps definitely clear my head i i um i always i not a, i shouldn't say always but I normally say a prayer before I leave the driveway. I, when I'm on my motorcycle, I'll say a prayer before I take off. And then sometimes when I'm riding my bike, I catch myself saying, dear Lord, please bless that person that's, that just passed me or, you know, <laughs> stuff like that when I'm on my motorcycle. Um, once in a while, like if I'm riding with my friends and we go somewhere, say to Lake George or something, we'll stop and get our motorcycles blessed. So they're, they're like on the side of the road, there's this person, priest doing a motorcycle blessings, you know, so we stop and get our motorcycles <laughs> blessed on the way. Um, but I love riding my motorcycle. I've been riding motorcycles for a long time. So ever since I was like, I don't know, 12, 13, I I think it was when mm -hmm. I first got on my first motorcycle. Actually, younger than that, my cousin used to ride motorcycles, and I was probably about, I don't know, six maybe when he took me for a motorcycle ride. And I was like, Yeah, I love this. This is what I want to do when I become an adult, you know, get older. Just get out there and have, you know, carefree kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it gives me time to talk to God, you know, like I'm on my motorcycle and I'm talking away and wow. <laughs> just praying for other people mostly, most of the time I'm on my bike. How I, One of the things I always kind of envy is it, it seems like there's such a strong sense of community. Yeah, so yeah, well, yeah, we're riding along. If you see another motorcycle, you give them a peace sign or something, you know, we always wave to each other and um, I'm not... I'm not into like going to a lot of big group meetings or stuff like that. I've thought about joining a club or something, but I, I haven't yet. And I don't know. I always, I always looking them up online, but I never really join because mm -hmm. I, I do want to have that motorcycle community, but I also want to be able to have that safety of riding. And I feel like sometimes when you're riding with a group, it, it gets a little discombobbled or something. And I worry about that aspect mm -hmm. of it, but, um, yeah, but yeah, there is a motorcycle community. A lot of people think, I feel like a lot of people feel like people that ride motorcycles are rough and gruff, but they're really not. They're just like, just everyday humans that enjoy mm. getting on a motorcycle instead of jumping in their car, you know, or, but yeah, they, some of them can look a little tough, but. <laughs> But we all we, we're just regular everyday people just like everybody else and hmm. we love jesus also <laughs> <laughs> well is there do you have any anything else you just want to add susan your things we may not have covered about 
um, yeah, religious life. I mean, I, I love that piece at the end that, uh, you know, it's something I struggle with as a priest just because I, you know, sometimes people see the collar and I feel like they, they change their tune a little bit. Um, and uh, it may be a middle, a little more of a generic tune. Um, but uh, yeah, is there anything that you feel like would be important to, to share from your own experience? Well, um, so now I'm married to a priest, so. Mm. What's, <laughs> what, what's that been like? Um, yeah, that's different, really, for mm. me. It's, um, well, Darcy's been definitely busier now, you know, mm. having two churches. And um, I, I get a lot of the a lot of the background stuff now so i understand a little more as to what's going into but just i get a lot of the uh what's going on with meetings like oh i gotta go to this meeting and this is this is what the topics are you know and <clears throat> so that is interesting and it gives me more perspective on um <clears throat> I'm learning more about um, the Bible and about other ethnicities and this, I don't know, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning yeah. a lot. It's just hard to put into words. Yeah. You know? Well, I'd be curious about your perspective on this as the, the wife of a priest. Um, I, um, I love being a priest. I actually love I don't know if I love it. I'm, um, well, I'll just say I love it. I love running meetings. I'm really like, I've had a lot of training in it. It feels like something, you know, like planning and facilitating. Um, and at the same time, I think one of the things I wrestled with was um, how much of my time and energy would go towards that. And um, I had less time to be outside, um, you know, less time with my family um and i know that the benedictine monks they like the core of their vocation as monks is work and prayer and um you know the work was usually manual work um and so it's like oh man i do less of those things um when i'm a parish priest and at the same time i can't imagine the church you know the church needs parishes so it may just be who's called to it individually but Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's your sense as a, um, I mean, it sounds like, I guess, being married to a priest, has it, um, it sounds like it's given you a different perspective on the church and sort of what goes on behind the scenes. Has it changed your, like, spiritual life? Um, ways too? I feel like it's just, it's really drawn me closer. Mm. Um, I feel like I want to get more involved and mm. do more do more put my hand in different um cups if you will or whatever mm. you know oh yeah i'd love to do that or oh yeah i'd love to do that or it's, yeah i feel oh, like it's inspired me to want to try to get more people to come to church and mm. and understand a little more of what's going on other than you know just what what they hear other than just like oh i'm Oh, a church is an organization and they just want your money, you know? Well, that's not yeah. necessarily true when you really show up and 
when you show up and you listen and you get fed by the word, it just brings you a little more um, understanding, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is a good place to wrap up just sort of the topic of like inviting other people to church. When you, when you're doing that, um, it sounds like you talk to people about, you know, being fed by the word, but what would be the, what would be the story you'd tell from your own life about like what, uh, what's Mm. been meaningful about being a churchgoer? Um, what's been meaningful as a churchgoer? Well, I mean, for me, I just feel like it's, um, it's, I don't know, it just makes me feel calm, you know, it makes me Mm. feel like I don't feel like I have as much anxiety because I'm worrying about these different things in the world or this, you know, what's in the news or whatever. I just understand that it's all going to work out in the end and, and really all this material stuff, I don't even, I don't need it, you know. Mm. I'm going to go to heaven and, and walk with God. And, and, mm. and I just feel like it's, I don't know. I, I just feel like it brings a common presence for me. Mm. I wish other people could experience. Mm. So you're not constantly in the, this anxious, you know, forever feeling anxious or worrying about different things like i try not mm. to worry too much about things because i feel like it'll work out in the long run <laughs> <laughs> mm. so i'm not worried about not working it'll all work out oh <laughs> <laughs> well as someone who uh, is in a similar boat at the moment uh, i could use some of that so yeah. like maybe i just need to yeah need to get to church um Bethany and I are doing a, a fun little, we do a church service as a family at the moment, which feels right for this season of our life. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. I, um, I'd love to end with a, a prayer. Um, I confess usually I end with that same Thomas Merton prayer um, oh. that you read at the beginning. Um, I love that one too, okay. but um, I think, I'm feeling drawn to end with a different one. So um, the Lord be with you. And also with you. Um, God, I offer uh, this time together to you. Please build it and do with it as that will um, relieve us of the bondage of ourselves that we may better do thy will. Please take away our difficulties that victory over them may be a witness to those who would help of thy love and thy power and thy way of life. May we do thy will always. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Duncan. Thank you, Susan.